This presentation is from UX Australia 2020, day one. Our next talk following on from that is from Darcy Mangan. Darcy is the UX lead at Ernst & Young, or a UX lead at Ernst & Young. Um, and he'll be talking to us about what we can learn uh, as UX designers from journalists. Over to you, Darcy. Perfect. Thanks very much. So hello, everyone. Um, my name is Darcy Mangan. Uh, I'm a UX design lead for EY's technology consulting team, uh, working within the digital and emerging technology practice. So a little bit about me quickly. Uh, before becoming a designer, I briefly studied journalism. And coincidentally, my graduate job was working closely with journalists every day. Uh, and in this setting, I was able to learn how journalists collaborate, uh, research, adapt, and simplify complex information, all of which I still use today and all of which I think is relevant to us as designers. So first of all, let's look at how journalists collaborate. So I think we can all agree that collaboration is central to being a designer. As UX designers, we're familiar with concepts such as the four eyes principle, um, just as airlines require at least two pilots in a cockpit at one time, designers should evaluate potential solutions even before they're tested. We've all facilitated or participated in ideation workshops. We've all collaborated with fellow designers, developers, project managers, and users of the products or services we're designing. It's part of our job. But journalists know how to collaborate across workplaces, industries, and geographies for a broad common goal. There are many examples of international networks of journalists and media organizations working together for a common goal. The Global Investigative Journalism Network runs conferences attracting journalists from all over the world to share knowledge and information and to create international networks for collective referrals and reporting. It also presents the Global Shining Light Awards for excellence in investigative journalism. Another example is Reporters Without Borders, and they were founded with, uh, they were inspired by Article 19 of the UN Declaration of Human Rights. Reporters Without Borders publishes content, they issue statements, awards prizes to honour independent journalists, and they founded the Netzion Prize to recognise those of advanced freedom of information online. It's created initiatives to guarantee diverse and independent access to information, trained journalists and advocated for journalists. Each year it assesses countries according to the level of freedom that reporters and citizens have. The index evaluation criteria looks at pluralism, independence, censorship, including internet censorship, legislation, transparency and infrastructure. Another example is something called the Daphne Project. Uh, it's another example of an internationally collaborative journalism collective relying on 45 journalists from 18 news organisations. It was created in response to the death of a journalist and the Daphne Project continues the work of this journalist through others. It's led to the creation of Forbidden Stories, a secure and encrypted platform which allows journalists to upload their data, instructions and information so that in the event that they're silenced, other journalists can take their place. The International Consortium of Investigative Journalists has been responsible for some of the biggest news stories of the last decade, most of which have had large impacts across the globe, including regulatory changes, product recalls and class action lawsuits, all of which have relied on collaboration across borders 
and organization and reliance on technology. All of these examples show the synergistic impacts that journalists have across the world as a result of collaborating across boundaries. In the same way, designers need to be better organized and to collaborate more with their peers across industries and geographies to define and advance what constitutes good design. We're seeing this in the design community through things like open source sharing and better collaboration, and of course, wonderful conferences like this one. We need to participate collectively to highlight and reward good design, as well as examine the ethics of design well and design done not so well. We need to remove barriers and make it easier for all designers to practice design that benefits all. So what can designers learn from how journalists evaluate sources and conduct research? Designers can borrow many tools that journalists employ every day. In both journalism and UX design, the importance of impartiality and sticking to the facts is crucial. Journalists are taught to evaluate the information they're using in a story to get a mix of primary and secondary sources and to use directly observable data. They use tools such as the sales test and the crap test, the latter of which looks at currency, relevancy, authority, accuracy and purpose, which is just as relevant to evaluate UX research. Reputable media organisations and media regulators have principles or a code of conduct in practising ethical journalism. Almost all codes are centred around the pursuit of truth, minimising harm, accountability and independence. So if we look at these broad themes, you can see that these codes are very applicable to us as designers. If we look at truth and accuracy, it's good to keep in mind, if you don't understand your audience, the product or service that you're going to design is going to fail. Remember what people say that they do is often different to what they actually do. And ethnographic research is essential in building a true picture of your audience. If we look at accountability and transparency, designers should listen to the concerns of their audience. This goes to the heart of testing and validating ideas as an iterative cycle in user-centered design. If we look at independence, it's good to keep in mind that business stakeholders are not your audience. You should only be influenced by the actual users of a product or service that you're designing. If we look at fairness and impartiality, you shouldn't do research simply for the sake of doing research and research should be balanced and you need to make sure that you're using the correct tools and methodologies to get a true picture, no matter how critical it might be of an existing product. And lastly, if we look at minimizing harm, this one's fairly obvious. Designers should be inclusive. They should have diversity in their teams and research participants, while solutions should be accessible and non-exclusionary. A quick search can reveal countless examples where designers have designed for white males as the default, meaning products or algorithms do not work for everyone. There are examples of research that you can discover in your own time which have allegedly found algorithms that are less accurate on females than males and more accurate on lighter skin than darker skin people. There are numerous examples of disastrous results where bots have been taught to learn from conversations and repeat similar language. There are allegedly algorithms in use across the world in justice systems with alleged evidence that they show racial bias, which has a real impact on people's lives. We're in a, in a unique position to try and avoid these serious mistakes and stop them where we can. Paul Bradshaw is a UK journalist and academic who's put together a framework on how journalists get their stories. 
He says that scoping is about identifying leads and curation journalism. Relaying involves finding information and reporting to an audience. For example, a journalist responding to a press release. Responding means identifying something newsworthy and following it up to provide a balanced report. Attending means getting information from attending an event. And seeking is about a journalist seeking out a specific source or experience and proactively approaching someone. Investigating means asking questions or setting up hypothesis that in answering involves all of the preceding steps. Seeking and investigating are proactive inquiry methods, whereas relaying, responding and attending are responsive. The journalist is able to move separately from the news agenda and find stories that are going untold. So what can designers learn from this approach? Be proactive in your research. Don't rely on others to do it for you and don't get information only from one source. Create your own hypothesis to challenge and ask questions that need to be answered. Work with integrity and impartiality in diverse teams and use a mix of primary and secondary sources. Talk to the actual users of your product. Don't rely on the business's knowledge and assumptions to drive your decisions and think about research from a different perspective. What are you learning from the people who choose not to use your product or service? Instead of focusing only on existing users, ask what you could learn from who is leaving in order to build a better product. So next we'll look at the importance of adaptation. Journalists are in a unique position in having to be very adaptable and constantly learning. It's one of the industries most disrupted by technology. Journalists have had to pivot constantly and adapt to their audience's constant rising expectations, moving beyond simply reporting or presenting a story. So an ex example of this is the French news, the website Rue89, which you can see on the screen, which years ago created an interactive explanatory work, allowing the user to make hypothetical decisions following the 2010 Haitian earthquake and seeing the impact of those decisions, explaining the story in a unique and nuanced ways. Journalists now more often work in an agile team, meaning to discuss a potential story and how it may meet their audience's expectations. Digital teams often involve a close team of journalists, developers, illustrators and designers. And for those for, that are unlucky to have a team, journalists are often expected to wear all of those hats. Journalists today must have a strong working knowledge of the digital landscape to produce in-depth multimedia stories, video features, podcasts, data analysis and visualisation, surveys, VR features, and interactive storytelling that encourages participation. None of these would be possible without traditional print media, with traditional print media, and have required colossal shifts from journalists. The US emblematic group has created virtual reality and augmented reality pieces on a number of local and international social issues and news stories. The New York Times has distributed cardboard VR readers and released an app to add an immersive experience to their stories. The UN has released 360 degree films and VR experiences to cover things like the Ebola crisis in West Africa a few years ago. And increasingly, games are being developed using historical events for people to relive. Vote Compass is an interactive tool offered from various news organisations that I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with. And it's been used by millions of people across more than 20 elections worldwide. 
The New York Times has created in-depth pieces focusing on global warming, such as the Antarctic Dispatches, a three-part series making use of satellite imagery, VR videos, and mapping. And podcasts continue to rise as a medium. Large streaming services continue to acquire content studios, tech platforms, and producers of podcasts. Online search tools have started to add playable podcasts within their search results. An example of this is the, the Teacher's Pet podcast published by the Australian in 2018, which has been downloaded over 28 million times, reaching number one status in the UK, Australia, and Canada. The 100 most popular podcasts in Australia are full of examples of pieces of investigative journalism, such as the ABC's CoronaCast. Journalists have an ability to embrace disruption and use this disruption to provide better quality services to their audiences. As designers, we need to do the same to use technology to improve the lives of others and increase the value in the products that we're creating through the latest technology. So now looking at simplifying the complex. There's a saying in journalism to simplify and then exaggerate, which is attributed to Jeffrey Crowther, the editor of The Economist during the 1940s and 50s. That might explain some of the polarization in the world today, but at its core, journalism done right is about taking subjects, some of which are very complicated and technical, and simplifying and disseminating them for a wider audience. Again, the New York Times has managed to explain an extremely complex web of conflicts in the Syrian civil war um, over a stunningly simple and compelling online experience. Explanatory and immersive journalism is flourishing. Explanatory journalism is a method of reporting that delivers continued and detailed stories in an accessible and easily digestible format. Almost all ongoing or global newsworthy stories develop over a long period of time. Explanatory or analytical journalism seeks to explain these stories by giving greater context. Vox is an example of a news organisation that describes itself as a general interest news site for the 21st century with the mission of explaining the news. Vox content includes articles, explainers, essays, podcasts, videos and documentaries. The New York Times has an explanatory journalism feature that describes itself as Analysis that explains politics, policy, and everyday life with an emphasis on data and charts. More and more news outlets are using explanatory journalism in their reported. So there are lessons in all of these examples for designers. Often a designer's role is to convince stakeholders on the best course of action, such as how to reach a certain goal. It may also be to explain why a certain goal is or isn't worth striving for. Showing, not telling is an effective adage for designers when presenting research, solutions, or pitches. It ties in with the tangibility rule of design thinking, which states that tangible products are the best way of communicating design ideas. By imagining an ideal future and seeing what this may look like through an experience, stakeholders are much more likely to be interested and invested in what you're presenting. Prototypes are communication media. Making ideas tangible always facilitates communication, and this improves dialogue, understanding, and problem solving. It holds much more impact to show the real effect of bad design on real-life people. Through the rise of explanatory journalism, journalists and consumers of media seem to be reacting against a traditional inverted pyramid, which dictates that the most newsworthy information is prioritised and structured at the top of a story, 
followed by the most important details. And finally, general background information is given for context. As designers, we also must ask ourselves, is only displaying an intention-grabbing headline the most effective way to advocate for the people using the products and services we design? Or is a more nuanced explanation warranted? Most explanatory journalism pieces use the spiral technique, where only the basics of the subject are taught without focusing on too much detail, before adding more and more detail, while the basics they learn are re-emphasized and spiraled back to similar to the principles of progressive disclosure. The audience is not overwhelmed with detail and only when it is needed is the new detail added. Most explanatory journalism pieces have several things in common. They're succinct, they use lists, they gradually introduce new concepts slowly and not all at once, and they cut out technical language and jargon, steering away from a hard focus only on numbers and a focus on human stories and graphics or multimedia. Making the simple complicated is commonplace. Making the complicated simple, awesomely simple, is creativity. This is exactly what we as UX designers do and should do every day. As designers, we are advocating for our audience and we must get a full understanding of people and their needs and articulate it simply to stakeholders in order to create experiences that are simple and easy to use. We must also take hugely complex systems and simplify them as best we can for the people that are using our products, only adding detail when needed and always spiraling back to familiar and crucial patterns or information. So how can we become better advocates for the people that use our products or services? Designers play a crucial role in designing the future for many people. Designers are in a unique position to build a model that makes the existing model obsolete. Whether that be a dark UX pattern, an inaccessible website, a service that discriminates, implicit biases being built into an algorithm, or racism or sexism. Journalists have been working hard to build a new model for decades. The journalist Peter Fitzsimmons in his 2019 Andrew Olley lecture stated that I've come to love the journalism of advocacy, of using the precious platform to advance courses I do passionately believe in, citing incontrovertible facts to push those causes. People in the media know their impact. And I think often our downfall as designers is that we're often unaware of our impact. In 2005, an Australian broadcaster in response to rising tensions in Southern Sydney, urged his audience to come to Cronulla this weekend to take revenge. What followed was the Cronulla riots. Four Corners is an Australian television program that has aired for over 50 years and is known for the Four Corners effect, given that their programs often result in swift and real change in investigation, including resulting in the establishment of several royal commissions, sometimes announced the day after airing. So again, what are the lessons for us as designers? Don't underestimate your impact. We're in a unique position as the creators of the new reality, rather than just the fighters of an existing reality. We should all be advocates as designers for everyone that may use our products or services. It's a new world and as designers, we're in the driving seat. Thank you very much.